From the Financial Times in London, I'm Ravi Matu, and this is FT News. It's finally here. The EU's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, comes into effect this week, promising to give us more rights over how our data is used and forcing organizations to adjust how they handle the personal information of EU citizens. The penalties are potentially huge, up to 20 million euros or 4% of global turnover if a company is found to be breaching the rules. Here with me to discuss this is Alia Ram, the FT's European technology correspondent, and Julian Saunders, chief executive of Port.im, a personal data governance company. Alia, let me start with you. GDPR's aim is to dramatically improve how organizations take care of EU citizens' personal data. Can you explain to us how it intends to do this? Yeah, GDPR is more than 200 pages long and covers a lot of ground. But there are a few key things that will change from Friday. The first is how companies have to seek consent to process user data. Under the new rules, businesses will no longer be able to rely on what the EU has called silence, pre-ticked boxes and inactivity, which means they're going to have to tell users exactly what they plan to do with their data. And you know, you expect that people don't realize the extent to which their information is processed and shared with third parties. So this is going to have quite a big impact. Secondly, companies are going to have to identify data breaches within 72 hours, which means companies like Uber and Facebook, which have not told regulators about massive data breaches and leaks in the past, will face really big fines if the same thing were to happen again. And then the third big change will be that users can ask for their information to be totally deleted or given to them so they can download it and take it elsewhere, sell it to another company, which means businesses are going to A, have to know exactly what data they have on everyone, which many don't. And also, it's just going to shift the balance of control and ownership towards people instead of companies. Now, you mentioned consent. I think a lot of us have been receiving emails in our inboxes asking us to give consent again in a formal way to companies to carry on sending us newsletters, emails about offers, and so on and so forth. So obviously, companies have been trying to address this. What sense are you getting of how prepared companies are in terms of dealing with this legislation, which will be pretty all-encompassing and affect companies worldwide? Yeah, so these emails that have been coming into people's inboxes, they've been offering little perks to people to tick a box and give their consent to companies that are using the data. But there is a really big difference between doing that and keeping up to date consent for every single way that a company is using someone's information. And when it comes to that deeper kind of constant consent, which eventually, I suppose, regulators will find a way to enforce, companies really aren't very prepared. There was a survey of 200 global companies by SAS, which is an analytics group, and it found that fewer than half of these really big companies expect to be fully compliant by Friday when the rules come in. Smaller companies are totally unprepared. The Federation of Small Businesses in the UK did some research and it found that around one in five businesses don't even know of the existence of the new rules. So yes, there are a lot of emails landing asking for people to tick a box and give their consent, but whether that shows full preparation or not is not clear. It sounds like a fair bit of uncertainty out there about how prepared companies are in order to deal with potential consequences of this. Julian, tell us about consumers, because as Alia mentioned, this is a lot about, in theory, putting the responsibility or the power back in the hands of individuals and consumers. What sense are you getting of how keen they are to take back control of this? That's very relevant because, of course, the GDPR really is about 
reorganizing the relationship between businesses and consumers and putting it onto a balanced footing so that consumers have access to visibility of and potentially the use of the data that they have in big businesses, in fact, in all businesses. The challenge, of course, is that this is effectively a two-sided personal data market. The first aspect is businesses, and those are the ones being regulated by GDPR. And of course, we're already struggling with those businesses understanding what their responsibilities are in this new world. And it's certainly going to take some time before consumers get to grips with what's happening and start to understand that potentially the information that they have in organizations is of considerable value to them if they can have that data, take control of it and pass it on to other businesses that can then provide them with personalized products and services. But at the moment, it's very, very early days for consumers. There's a long way to go. What you're saying is that, so I understand it, consumers still aren't fully maybe cognizant of the value of their data. And so therefore, we're still in the kind of foothills of this discussion about them really getting to grips with what is possible, what is done with their data. Yeah, we're certainly saying that at the moment, it's very early days. We are only in those foothills. Those big opportunities for consumers to use their data in more positive and constructive ways are going to come when businesses start to ingest personal data, give it some kind of value, either whether that's to do with loyalty or benefits or personalization. But we're a long way off that at the moment. We're currently in the early stages of corporate panic, to be honest, before we move to consumer enlightenment. Right. And in terms of corporate panic, why are companies panicking? Because this has been coming for a long time. Well, you're right. These regulations were originally passed two years ago. So everybody's had a two-year run-up to prepare for it. But the interesting thing about the general data protection regulations is that they have been written in a principle-based manner. So what this means is that if you pick up the document and start reading it, it's very difficult to work out what is actually required in practical terms. Essentially, the regulations are asking businesses to change the culture behind which they manage personal data. It's demanding that they be more open, more transparent, and attempt to demonstrate trust with their customers. This isn't like the old cookie policy, which was very prescriptive, this is far more open to interpretation and therefore much harder to get to grips with. Right. And actually, I think in some of the reports we've had, we have situations where companies have said to us in the UK, the advice and guideline given by the UK Information Commissioner's Office has often been quite confusing. The potential financial penalties are quite severe. I mean, has that forced companies to perhaps be more urgently trying to get to grips with it than they were, say, two years ago? That's certainly been used in the scaremongering headlines and certainly by some organizations to attempt to sell their wares. But the way we interpret those high fines or high potential fines are they are really a message to the main boards of large organizations saying, this is a marker in the sand. Beyond here, we are not going to allow you to manage personal data flippantly. You are putting your business at risk and there is no flexibility in this. It's not I don't believe the regulator's intention to exercise those fines to any full extent, except where there's real levels of abuse that have been carried out. The real intention here is to ensure that it's on the agenda and that people understand, businesses understand, that this is actually a cultural shift. It's a notification to businesses and people that the future will be different to the past. It's no longer the digital wild west where we could do whatever we wanted with personal data and effectively get away with it. This is a new world 
we are all going to start to experience a very different relationship between ourselves as individuals and businesses. And as far as businesses are concerned, we're going to have to really work out how we're going to deliver openness, transparency and trusted relationships between corporates and individuals. Alia, Julian spoke of that cultural shift. And when it comes to Silicon Valley, obviously, these are the biggest tech companies in the world. Many of them handle vast amounts of data. Initially, many Silicon Valley companies balked at this regulation. But in the wake of the Cambridge Analytica and Facebook scandals, Sheryl Sandberg, chief operating officer of Facebook, said, quote, Europe was way ahead on this, unquote. Yeah, well, for the big Silicon Valley companies, it's impossible for them to not deal with the regulations because for a big multinational company, you will have European customers and the rules apply to all European customers. I think some of them are saying more about what a big change this is than they're actually introducing. So Facebook's taken out full page ads in the UK this week talking about how important GDPR is. But I think in reality, a lot of companies are relying on a provision in the rules called the legitimate interest provision, which allows companies to process personal information if they can prove that it's of legitimate interest. And I think going back to what Julian was saying, because this regulation is a principle based thing, until regulators show that they are going to enforce this and enforce it harshly. It's unclear still, especially for the Silicon Valley tech companies, exactly how much they really need to change and how much they can rely on legitimate interest as an argument. Just to give an example, Snap has said for users under the age of 16, it's going to stop collecting all location information and browsing activities, so tracking them across the internet. And then for everything else that it processes on underage users, it's going to rely on legitimate interest. And whether that's enough or not enough, we just don't know right now. Julian, are you seeing in terms of your work any sense of how some of the big tech firms overseas are approaching this issue around GDPR? Well, certainly we're seeing the ads that are going out from Facebook. Facebook, of course, are looking to patch up their reputation in this space at the moment. There's a great misconception that GDPR is generally around the privacy policy and setting out new terms in that. And that's certainly a high profile piece of activity, but really doesn't get to the basics of openness and transparency. So what big businesses are being seen to do at this point is probably the very simple and high level aspects of compliance. I think over the next year, we're going to start to see a lot more interrogation of the depth of the implementations of their GDPR policies. We're going to want to see transparency around things like the dropping of cookies, when they're fired, what data is fed back to organizations, whether any of that data is then shared with other third parties. And of course, the point that was mentioned earlier about legitimate interest, legitimate interest is one of the six bases on which businesses can manage personal data. It is also the one that is the most contentious when organizations choose to use that as the basis. And it can be contested by individuals with their regulator. And therefore, it's highly likely that there will be action groups that will test the legitimate interests of these businesses. And that will be an interesting pressure to watch. Ali, obviously, this is applied universally in terms of it relates to EU citizens' data held anywhere. But is there any indication that this might become the broader global standard going forward? Yes, the impact's already spreading well beyond the EU. 
people have likened it to the kind of seatbelt moment when car makers introduced seatbelts in order to make cars safe and everyone got worried that no one would want to drive cars anymore and it actually just became an international norm all cars have seatbelts. So I think regulators in Hong Kong have already said they're going to update their data protection laws to reflect GDPR. For many multinationals, it just won't make sense to have different rules for users in different countries. It will be completely unfeasible to implement that. So you'll see the highest standard, which is GDPR being implemented universally. Julian, are you seeing any sense that GDPR might actually become not just an EU standard, but the global gold standard? We certainly are, yes. There's certainly a very high level of interest in the international business world to look at GDPR, to potentially adopt it and to be seen to be operating at the highest standards of privacy. Well, certainly watching how companies and individuals react will be something to monitor in the months and years to come. Thank you very much, Julian Saunders and Ali Aram for joining me. To read more on GDPR, go to ft.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.